want to just start a series tonight about building biblical character because I'm amazed at how many people uh, I think uh, think they are poor uh, by measuring the lo- wrong matrix. If you measure wealth a certain way, you, you might think that a person is wealthy on material possessions, or you might think that they are wealthy uh, academically, they're smart, or they've got the right kind of degree, or you might measure success by a certain kind of matrix. But we should be very careful about that because uh, the true measure of a man, the true measure of a woman is measured biblically and spiritually. And because the spirit is invisible, it's sometimes difficult to measure. And you might find a quiet person who socially seems awkward, but spiritually has authority. And you might find a loud person who occupies space through constant conversation, but when you dig a little deeper, you might find they've got little substance, they're shallow, and they're just making noise. And one has to be really careful about that because you make a lot of life decisions based on your ability to measure the spirit of a man or a woman, your own spirit. We call it discernment, I guess, if you want to engage that topic on a bigger conversation. And So I wanted to talk to you about the seven things that God says you should put into your soul so you could be strong. There are seven very clear things in the Bible and cultivating them is really important. I used to think, so I come from a very charismatic background. So by charismatic, I mean like church charismatic. How many of you know what I mean when I say that? And how many of you come from like a charismatic church? Just a quick wave of the hanky. Ah, a few of you. How many of you have been to one and you were like, uh-uh, that's a bit much, hand up? Hanky down. Okay, a few of you. How many of you have got no idea what I'm talking about? You're a good Methodist or an Anglican. Okay, the back row. I have a feeling that no matter what I ask, you're going to put your hand up in the back row. Anyway, so shot. But by charismatic, what I mean was the Spirit was working. People were speaking in tongues. People were hopping and dancing in the Spirit. People were falling. People were standing. People were told to let go and take up and release and loose. It was intense. It was intense. So I always used to think that a very spiritual person is somebody who could like speak in tongues well or, you know, fell often or, uh, no, it's not meant to be funny. This was quite a serious thing in our day. In our day, it was a big deal. (laughs) Now you guys immediately know, ah, Benny. So, so I used to think, okay, that, or when somebody comes and there's a prophet, and they say something that's just mind-blowing prophecy. I used to think, that's a very strong Christian. But in time, you realize that the receiver of a gift isn't the strong one. The giver of the gift is a strong one. So how can you think you're strong by merely receiving something from someone strong? Now that's no measure at all. We used to get quite intense about it. We used to like, oh, there's a prophet or, oh, they really speak in tongues. And later I came to realize as valuable as all of those are, and I am able to do that, I have some of those gifts. Uh, but there's a passage of Scripture in Corinthians that says it's probably better to do that at home for the edification of your own spirit so that you don't freak out the visitor. 
That's actually in the Bible. That's not even a father's house vision statement. That's actually in the Bible. The Bible says, if you fire off in tongues and somebody visits you, they're going to say you are drunk or high. It's in the Bible. Google it. So I do wish some Christians would do more of that stuff at home. And as a pastor, I soon found out a lot of people don't do any of that at home. And they wait for church to do it in display. But that is not character. And over the years, we've seen mighty men and mighty women who have great gifts and whose gifts were never diluted or deleted fall and fall over simple stuff. Fall morally, sexually, fall financially, fall in character or integrity, got too close to the communion wine. There was a time when the communion wine used to be actual wine. Yeah, and it's not anymore. Don't, don't. It's, it's communion, not a shot. And then all the people you used to serve, you know, they used to serve the communion and then you, you can't put it back in the bottle. So what is character? And then sometimes people would start relationships with church people thinking that because they're church people, they'd be better people. And it really disappoints me when sometimes people tell me they've had their worst experience in relationships with church people than with non-church people. Because they say church people keep bringing God in to fight their fights for them. And how incredibly damaging and manipulative it could be to say, the Lord told me. And you don't need any other proof of character except God's on my side. And therefore, you're wrong. So I do think it's necessary for us to have character. Biblical and sound character. And the Bible is full of that. And so today, I want to talk to you specifically about the ingredient of steadfastness as one of the ways of building your character, steadfastness. I wanted to thank Cam for uh, wishing me on my 50th birthday. I am 50. I'm owning it. I like being 50. I feel like practice is over and it's for reals now. I, um, I, I like that I bought white sneakers in my 40s. Because when I grew up in church, that wasn't allowed. Oh, you don't know how good you've got it. Do you know jeans were considered evil when I grew up in church? Oh, yes, no, you couldn't wear jeans. Some of you are like, I'm out. You tapped out already. We weren't allowed that. I remember, be, oh, I'm so embarrassed now pastoring a church at the university, going to a young man who was an excellent drummer and asking him to please take his earring off. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we had to do stuff like that. We were policing people. And I, I, he looked at me with those, that look in his eyes of, but the earring it does, is not affecting the drumming. I can still drum. And there was just no logic in it. Let me tell you, steadfastness is one of the ingredients that you can practice to build character. And it's an ingredient that 
the Bible describes in the following way. James chapter 5. I've chosen a couple of verses from the Amplified Bible. So there are a few brackets for extra words. Sort of it builds it up. It's a buffet translation. You can choose a few words. You know we uh, call those, you and I, those blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous and favoured by God. Who do we call that? Those who were steadfast and endured through difficult circumstances. Just as you have heard of the patient endurance of Job and you have seen the Lord's outcome in Job's life, how that he was richly blessed and the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. In James chapter 1, he even describes what a blessed life looks like in the following way. It says, blessed, happy, or spiritually prosperous, favoured by God, is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and has been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The cultivation of steadfastness as a character requires a difficult process, a challenge, or a test. For this reason, the book of James says, we should be grateful when we get a test. Now, I know this is like literally test time at NMU. So I'd like to apologize that I'm bringing up tests now. You're being tested at work, and now you're being tested in church. But let me tell you, I'm just going to pray that you all get A's, like just receive them. So that was super charismatic. So, so let's get focused back on the test of character. Here's the thing. The cultivation of steadfastness is something you should look forward to. It either comes by way of a test or it comes by way of a discipline. Steadfastness either comes by way of a test or it comes by way of, of a, a, a discipline. And one of the reasons why people aren't steadfast, to be steadfast means to be immovable, to be determined, to have perseverance. I actually looked for the closer word for steadfastness. Is somebody aware of what it might be? I think it's ukutina. Is that right? Did I say it okay? Coming for you in closer. It means to be unshakable and to be determined. One of the reasons why it's such a difficult trait to have, you know, we sing it, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His mercy shall uh, never come to an end. The, The reason why we battle to cultivate steadfastness is that we fundamentally don't believe that people are trustworthy. And because we don't believe that people are trustworthy and we believe that the world is untrustworthy and because we think there are a lot of scams out there and everything has to be tested and checked, as a result, we think that being truly 100% steadfast is impossible. This comes up all the time. People say to me, but can you really be happy married to just one person? Well, I can't from practical or personal experience answer that question. But I can tell you, because I'm not married. But I can tell you that generations of people have obeyed Scripture and have been truly happy by being married to just one person throughout their lives. And if some can do it, you should be able to say, I have the character to do it 
to. Don't keep ruling yourself out of the higher grade stuff by disqualifying the character of your, the content of your character, thinking that's just for some people. Why not you? Can money ruin people? Sure. But can money also be a blessing that helps you set your life up properly and keep you in a healthy space? Absolutely. So why not you as the blessing rather than the broken? Can you say amen to that? In fact, I find wealth an amazing thing. It's a weird thing. Maybe I should, I'd love to write a little book about this sometime. I really would. I'm amazed. People who grew up with nothing can't wait to build a big house and experience the blessing. People who grew up in big houses are refurbishing containers. Isn't it weird? You've got a whole bunch of people who grew up in mansions like, yeah, I want to downsize. I want to go off the grid. I want to use candle power. You've got people who spent their whole lives with candle power. They're like, I would like some electricity, please. I'd like to hit a plug. I'd even like to talk to it if possible. Light on, it comes on. I'm going to put that on my Instagram story. I'm going to say hashtag blessed life. And I don't care what you think about me. Because somebody in my family already paid the price. So I'm planning on going big. Isn't that interesting, this rhythm of you grow up with it and then you despise it and then you don't have it and then you have to rebuild it? There's a really great quote. I'm probably going to get it wrong because it takes a a, a bit of language mentality uh, to remember. But I'll try to post it on one of my platforms. It just simply says, that weak people create bad times. Bad times create strong people. Strong people create good times. Good times create weak people. (laughs) So the cycle repeats. Weak people create bad times. Bad times create strong people. Strong people create good times. Good times create weak people. It's It's the cycle of society. And the one who breaks it is the Spirit of God. You see, <clears throat> steadfastness, to use a really old school term, begets steadfastness. What that means is because God is steadfast, I am able to be steadfast. Because spiritually I am receiving it, then therefore spiritually I can release it. If you don't believe you've received it, then you're not even sure that God genuinely loves you. You're not even sure God will genuinely be there for you through it all. And you must believe that because God's steadfast love always prevails. It's because I have received something from Him that I can release something from me in all things. Do you know the Bible says we should love unconditionally, that we should love seven times, 70 times forgiving people, that according to 1 Corinthians, love must keep no record of wrongs. Let me just explain to you that except for Jesus Christ, those standards are too high and I cannot attain them. But because I have received unconditional love, I am therefore able to release release unconditional love. Freely you have received, freely you give. As it is measured out, it shall be measured back to you. You've got to get into the equation. You've got to get into the equation. Don't ask somebody who doesn't have infinite love to give you some. 
That would be impossible. That's why I should only marry a believer. I mean, where possible. I know some of you are thinking, well, can I bring the unbeliever to you? Then you <laughs> sort them out and then we go from there. Well, we won't talk about it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, this hope, this confident assurance we have as an, as an anchor of the soul and it cannot slip it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it is safe and a steadfast hope. It enters uh, within the veil. It, it goes through the, the temple into the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. We have something from God that can't be stopped, can't be broken, no matter what pressure comes on it. You must remember that character is received and then character is released. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, temper is in my family. So I do what I see. Okay, no problem. But you're in a new family now. Once you were not a people of God, but now you are the people of God. And so therefore, the family genetics of your biology must come under the submission of the genetics of your spirituality. Because then nothing does my body rule. My spirit rules now. Nothing does my body rule, my spirit rules. So how do you cultivate a steadfastness? Well, let me tell you, it's not as difficult as you might think. You literally have to set certain disciplines in place and keep doing them. You're in and you're out. One might say, for instance, that you are already steadfast on certain things. For example, most people here and if you are not one of them, don't let us know, would consider themselves steadfast on matters like brushing your teeth. It's just a routine. Now, if your spouse disagrees with you, we can talk about it another day. Some people are steadfast when it comes to their meals. But it's more nuanced than that. Some people are steadfast on the way things have to be in their house. It's your routine. It's how we do it here. Do you see what I mean? What you need are a few things in your life where you say, that's how I do it. And no matter who interrupts, I'll give you an example. If you like the 6 p.m., which you should, you, you put it into your calendar. You say, I'm going to demonstrate steadfastness. That's going to be my routine. Now, if you've got nothing else on and your Wi-Fi doesn't allow you to do Netflix and you come to the 6 p.m., you're not yet cultivating steadfastness. Steadfastness comes when somebody else gives you an alternative plan for the same time slot and you, by exercising your spiritual muscles, say, that's not how I roll on a Sunday. I can see you 7.30 because I'm building steadfastness. I'm going to go to a place to see a man about something. Steadfastness. Steadfastness isn't the booking of the appointment or even the coming in the absence of an alternative. Steadfastness is what you cultivate in the presence of an alternative. Are you faithful to your spouse? I'll only know if there's someone else pretty around. Do you see what I mean? That cultivates steadfastness. So a couple of ingredients, ways, steps rather, on how to cultivate steadfastness. Number one, be more. Be more. 
First Corinthians 15, also from the Amplified, says, Therefore, my beloved uh, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed. That's the key to steadfastness. Now, look, uh, being continue aware uh, that your labor, etc. Uh, let, let me tell you, I, I was one of those when I did BCom uh, that I wanted to know what the minimum pass was for economics. I'm just going to be honest. Actually, actually, to be honest, it was economics and stats. Statistics just was a pressure in my life that I could not bear. I was so excited when they said not 50 anymore, it was like 40 or something was a pass, which is very worrying how we are running the world on 40%. But we can discuss that on another night, on a podcast maybe. But um, minimum, right? But let me just tell you, when you want to cultivate steadfastness, your question shouldn't be, what's the least I can do? Your question should be, what's needed? And then I'll do a little more. I'll do a little more. Do I need to read a verse a week? I think I'll do two because I'm building steadfastness. The first verse is survival, but the second is steadfastness, immovable. You see, you've got to get yourself out of this worldly mindset of minimum requirements. That, that, that's not good. You should get yourself into the mindset of what is needed and then I will excel above what's needed with a little more. I want you to be more. Because there is a world full of people being enough. And I'd like for you to be more than enough. And the reason is because you are receiving from one who is more than enough. You represent you represent. So as I received it, so I release it. He is more than enough. I shall be more than needed. More. I try to live that out in my life. I want to be a church. Even as a pastor, I got to think about the practicalities of that. Not just what's needed, more. I used to get so annoyed with pastors. And I shouldn't say that. I'll take that back. I'm sorry, I repent. It used to be awkward for me when pastors used to come in halfway through the singing in some church services I've been to. As if the first song wasn't important for them, just for us normal people. And they'd come in halfway through the worship, half-hiving people along the way. And I'd get so annoyed. I'd be like, shouldn't you be here early? Shouldn't you stand at the start of the first song and show everybody else what being enough and then a little bit more than enough looks like? Shouldn't you try and stand out in the way that you do more rather than less? I think you should be more rather than less. That's how steadfastness is cultivated. Secondly, steadfastness is cultivated by being methodical. Now I know there are a lot of people who's, who don't want to be, like I'm creative. I don't like systems. I've got my own system. I know what it's like on my desk. I know where everything is. Don't try and make me a systems person. Can I just give you a little like hint that even that mess is a system. It just might not be a good one. We've all got a system. Even your mess, it's a predictable system. It really is. I love how we think we don't have systems. We've all got them. I've got a system. From Sunday night after the service until Monday five o'clock is my eat as much as I want for anything time. 
Then I go into intermittent fasting and like no eating 16 hours at a time. So let me just tell you, uh, with my birthday cake all stacked up at home, I can't wait to get to my system. Oh, my system is going to be amazing. I've got biltong cake. I've never heard of that before. It's just biltong on top of biltong, on top of dry horse, on top of biltong. They're macaroons. There's, there's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the party's at my place after. You think you don't have a system. You have a system. Now, you, every single person in this room has a system, even if you're a creative. Don't come to me. You're a creative. We, we get it. Uh, you have a system. The question you have to ask yourself is, is it a good one? And start tweaking your system for success instead of asking God to supernaturally make you a success. Tweak your system. Become methodical. Therefore, uh, let me warn you, beloved, uh, says 2 Peter 3, uh, knowing these things beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men who distort doctrine and fall um, uh, uh, from, uh, from, their own uh, from their own steadfastness of mind, knowledge, truth, and faith. This passage of Scripture warns us, don't fall for the trap of unprincipled living. Live a principled life. I've got one more uh, for tonight. I'm going to do this for a few weeks. Uh, talk about how to cultivate character, which is one of the greatest wealths you can cultivate in your life. And the last one um, should, should seem obvious, but because it's got a spiritual weight to it, it's important. Be moral. Be moral. I mean, that sounds very... But the execution of a moral decision creates character. So I was watching this, some TikTok stuff the other day for research <laughs> to be relevant. And there's this trend, or maybe it's an old trend by now, of uh, uh, boyfriends or girlfriends leaving money in the car to see if their partners will steal some. <laughs> Have you guys tried that? Don't. It doesn't end well. 95% um, of people stole the money. It's the explanation that was interesting to me. Some people took some money. They didn't take all of it. Nobody was that dwarf. They just took a few. But some spouses knew that their partners probably don't count money anyway, so they wouldn't know. And then some had a ready explanation. So when the spouse comes back, sits in the car, looks for the money and starts counting, then the other one knows, okay, we're going to get caught now. So the whole TikTok moment is what's the answer? And then the spouse or partner usually says, babe, I took some to get you a gift. Or, one of my favorites, I thought it was for me, but I left you most of it. I left you most of it, and it took, just, and my most annoying. I don't know where, I don't know where, <laughs> Looking under the car seat, where can it be? 
You know good and well where it is. Do you know how many Christians use that same thing? Instead of being moral, we say, I left most of it. I'm good most of the time. I mean, I'm moral most of the time. Or, or they say, I didn't do it for me. <laughs> I did it for someone else. Or my favorite. Huh? Wasn't I supposed to? Oh. Uh, those people don't have steadfastness. And the problem when you don't have steadfastness is you can't be trusted with success. What you have to be trusted with is tests. God tests you until steadfastness, perseverance, and character comes. And then when you pass the test, he gives you favor and blessing, opportunity and grace. So I want to I want to encourage you today. Let, let's be people of steadfastness. Things aren't going to go your way all the time. You simply have to say, "But God's got a plan, and He'll get me where He needs me." I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through and have character. And in my character, even when things don't go my way, I'm going to trust that the Lord knows how to turn it around for my good. And I'm going to make the moral decisions and the methodical decisions as needed. Because when I've done the will of God and persevered, I shall receive, the Bible says, a victor's crown. And you know, you must think carefully who you want complimenting you in life. Do you want people who may not be around in your future saying, well done? Or do you want a voice from heaven saying, well done? This is my beloved son. Whose voice do you want? I put it to you. Go for the sound from heaven. It echoes much longer. Let's stand together to pray. It's very exciting to, I love the 6 p.m. Um, it's very exciting to see what God is going to do amongst us. I'm always aware, because I pastored students especially, I know a lot of married couples here and a lot of people who've got kids who are now students. I love you all and I'm, I'm grateful you're here. You're imparting something. But when I see young people especially, young adults especially, you know, anybody younger than 40 is a young adult. When I see you, I think, gosh, if you worked the spiritual thing right, oh, the blessed life that awaits you. It's just, it's wired in there. Just work it right and watch the blessing come. That's Matt playing me off. It's like time to go. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that... Uh, freely we have received, freely we give. That we are not expecting of our spirits to do something that our spirits have not received from your spirit. And because you are steadfast, because you love unconditionally, because you 
persevered and endure and are everlasting. We can have those ingredients deposited into our hearts and out of our hearts, we can start to live on that level. So would you please teach us to cultivate character by building steadfastness into our lives. Pray, Lord, that you will raise it up within us so that we'll put methods into place, routines into place, morals into place. And as we execute them, steadfastness and character rises. And when we've done that, we receive the victor's crown, a voice from heaven that says, well done, this is my beloved son, or well done, good and faithful servant, when we get to the end of the road. We thank you for that, Lord. I want to just put a verse up on, on the screen. It's, it's only seven o'clock and I want to just stick a verse up, uh, not a verse, a prayer up onto the screen. It's sort of a salvation prayer. It's actually literally a little quote that comes out of John chapter five from the message translation. If you've never given your life to God, which very simply means here I am and here you are, but now I'm choosing to follow you. I went my way, you went your way. You say this is the right way. I thought this was, but now I come to the point where I go, no, you're right and I'm following you. In the moment that you do that, you become a follower. And in order to do that, you very simply have to invite Jesus to take on that responsibility. Can you be in charge of me? And I will, I'll follow. That's called salvation. It's being born again. And it is a confession that my own way is wrong or sinful and, and his way is right or righteous. And this is the prayer for that. And so whether you watch this later than live or want to comment in the comment section or in the room today and you want to come forward afterwards and tell someone, I prayed the prayer. I don't have a Bible. We'll give you a free Bible. We've got free Bibles here. And maybe even sign you up to a future Alpha, a little course, a little 10-week course, costs you nothing. Uh, and and you, you just go through the basics of the faith so you're sure-footed. Do the work. Be more. So I pray it out loud. So you're welcome to follow in your own heart. Dear Jesus, uh, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debt of sin has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. And so I confess that I believe you and I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my spirit. I now cross over from death to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving?